We'll hear argument next in case 086925, Johnson versus United States. Ms. Call. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Mr. Johnson's conviction for battery in the state of Florida can be sustained by the slightest contact. Such a conviction does not qualify as a violent felony under the Armed Career Criminal Act. A violent felony means one that has as an element the use, attempted use, or threatened use of physical force against the person of another. Physical contact is not the same as physical force. Physical force in this context means something more than a mere quantum of physical contact and requires violence, aggression that's likely to cause physical injury. This conclusion is guided by the rules of statutory construction in this Court's precedent. The better reason circuits have applied these principles to find that physical force means something more than de minimis contact. And that's, you say that's federal law. Would it make a difference if, contra what Florida held in the Hearn case, a state had typed a battery statute as a crime of violence? Yes, Your Honor. If the state statute required that the offender admit the use of force as part of the elements of his prior offense. No, no, no. It's exactly the statute, it's exactly the statute Florida has. And somebody has a plea and we don't know from the record what the conduct was. But the state, unlike Florida, says our battery statute for our state law purposes is a crime of violence, therefore for our state law enhancements, the person who pleads guilty to a battery offense will be deemed one who has committed a crime of violence, if that's the state law. Then, no, Your Honor, I'm sorry. Uh, then the mere fact that the state found that it qualified under its own recidivist statute would not bind the federal court. Why we say that Hearns is binding is the proposition that it found the elements of a battery offense. And the, state, the ACC looks to those elements to determine whether it is a violent felony. Uh, Congress didn't say that the offender had to have conduct that involved the use of physical force, but a prior that had as an element the use. So the fact that the state statute may qualify under its state recidivism wouldn't be the same determination that it didn't have as an element the use of force. Here at this no. what, 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 how, before we can even get into this, I think we have to decide if those words striking or touching describe one crime or two. And what we said in, uh, what was it, in, in chambers is that the nature of the behavior that likely underlies a statutory phrase matters in this respect. So if you think of seven different things covered by one statute in, in, in uh, uh, James or Chambers, two of them, failing to return from a furlough and failing to return from work and day release, seem to me quite possible to describe one thing, not two. Now, how do we know that striking or touching describes two things? I couldn't find any instance, and we had the library looking, I couldn't find any instance in Florida where those two things have ever been charged separately. And they looked at hundreds. So, so why do we think it's two crimes rather than just one called striking or touching? 
Your Honor, two reasons. First, the face of the statute itself has or, so it doesn't require the Well, it, it does, too, in chambers. It's all returning from furlough or not returning from re- work release. You know, and I'd, I'd say the behavior was the same. It's not like burglary of a dwelling versus burglary of a boat. Those are two separate things. Yes. Here, why, why do you think they're two separate things? Your Honor, because Hearns, the Florida State Supreme Court decision, described them as three separate offenses and spelled out that this statute could be violated, and he said, by, first, touching someone intentionally and against their will, second, by striking, or third, by causing okay. If they're separate things, what is the evidence? There's a legal question. Is, say, the touching, that is spitting, is that enough to rise under to, to, to fall within the federal statute. Suppose I agree with you on that. The answer is no. How do I know whether touching, as applied in Florida as a separate matter, in the mine run of cases, involves spitting or involves something that causes far more serious harm? How do I know? Your Honor, you would apply first the plain language of the statute, and to touch means the slightest contact, as the courts have held. Um, at pages 41 and 42, we spelled out the offenses of spitting, making slight contact, that justified a battery conviction. Strike obviously has to mean something else, or the legislature wouldn't have included both types of um, conduct within the battery provision. This statute is a misdemeanor statute, isn't it? For a first offense, yes, Your Honor. And the only reason that uh, what happened here uh, was elevated to a felony was that he had a prior offense. Yes, Your Honor. So it's it's understandable that the slightest touch could could constitute a misdemeanor. Your Honor, the problem with saying that just because it's a felony, it therefore can't be considered, is that the statute first describes the prohibited conduct and says that the conduct is in the first subparagraph, the penalty is in the second. So the very same conduct is necessary for either a felony or a misdemeanor. And essentially, no force times two is still zero. Well, Aka uses the word physical force, and any touching involves some physical force. Now, how do we determine how much more than uh, the minimum physical force is necessary in order to fall within the federal statute? Your Honor, it is a qualitative line that sentencing judges would have to make, like all of the other difficult decisions that they're called on to make in the sentencing guidelines and these uh, 3553 factors. We've asserted as a proposed test that it be conduct just like the Begay test, that it would be physical force of a kind that's violent and aggressive and likely to cause injury. Well, there, there, most of this statute, actually, we looked into it, and uh, it seems to be used to top of the touching part also to cover unwelcome physical sexual advances. And it's not hard to consider such matters to have involved force of exactly the kind that the federal statute is aimed at. And there was no striking, but there was, in fact, use of harmful force, a touching. That was serious. Now, how do we know which is more normally the case when this statute is used in its touching respect. Your Honor, the government had cited a footnote of 6,000 convictions, and there is no way to know of those convictions whether they were charged as to touch, to strike, 
or to cause bodily harm. Well, we don't have to know what's more normal anyway, do we? No, Your Honor. If, if any conviction is possible under the element of the crime to touch when there is simply slight physical force, your argument still stands, right? We, yes, we don't have I would to think that's certainly wrong under our cases. I mean, I would have thought that the reason that burglary, for example, is a violent crime is not because in every instance there is a risk of physical harm, but because in the mine run of instances there is a risk of physical harm. And I thought we said that in at least three cases. Yes, Your Honor. As to looking to both the enumerated offenses and those that fall in the otherwise, the first prong of the ACC, though, does not talk about conduct, and it does not refer to an ordinary case. It says an offense that has as an element, and therefore it's directed to looking at a particular Florida state statute rather than a generic battery or how battery might ordinarily. No, but an element. You mean we should interpret element in the first part of this in a radically different way than we have interpreted equivalent words in the second part. And we should say as burglary, in other, in other words, assault or, or, in other words, unless in every case of prosecution there is going to be force actually applied or something like that, that it doesn't fall within one. I'm surprised at that. I mean, I guess it's possible. What would be the argument for doing that, which would be totally different than we've handled the other one? Your Honor, the reason why is that Congress was directing in the first prong those crimes that were directed against persons and would be defined by their elements. In the second prong, Congress did list out four enumerated offenses that they thought were committed, A, by career criminals, and B, that created that substantial risk. In the first part, it does not talk about risk to others. It's that offender's conduct in an elements-based test. If there were a state statute that made it a battery to engage in uh, offensive and unwelcome sexual touching, your argument would be that that would not fall within the first prong of ACCA because there is not a, it's not likely to cause a physical injury. Yes, is that Your right? Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Because I mean, there were a statute that said, I mean, in the old days, I, I, I'm told people used to throw the contents of chamber pots outside, out the window. If there were a, a, a state statute that said it is a crime to dump the contents of a chamber pot on somebody's head, you would say that's, that doesn't fall within the first prong of ACCA? Yes, Your Honor. I would, I would say that that does not qualify under the first prong. Even those, those are classic batteries. Yes, Your Honor. And, and the they, language of the first prong of ACCA really tracks the language of the common law crime of battery. Your Honor, it does because it talks about in Florida the element is the slightest contact. And we're not arguing that that offender who spits or touches or does these other disrespectful acts doesn't deserve to be charged and can't be charged with battery under Florida state law. So, so what about an assault? I guess using light law school hypothetical, I mean, the statutes for assault, I guess you could assault somebody by threatening to throw a marshmallow at them. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Now assault is out of the statute. Your Honor, again, it depends on each particular statute and its elements. No, no, but I mean on your definition, as you and Justice Scalia were suggesting, because it's conceivable that you could assault somebody by threatening to throw a marshmallow, that means assault is no longer a crime of violence. And that, that can't be right. Well, Your Honor. Of course, of course it's right. Uh, you don't have to touch somebody for an assault. 
Correct. You can just threaten somebody. Yes. That's not a crime of violence. Yes, Your Honor, and that this would be right. two Assault is not a crime of violence under — it's not a use of force. Certainly not. Two responses to that, Your Honor. First is looking at the underlying facts would violate the categorical approach of saying we're not looking at what each offender might have done in any particular case, but what are the elements that he necessarily admitted. And under the Florida statute, it would qualify as a violent felony because the Florida statute defines it as an offer to do violence coupled with the — Well, what about attempted murder? Your Honor, yes, if it has as an element the use of force, and that — Well, wait, wait. I mean, it didn't succeed. Yes, but under the ACCA, which is one of the phrases that the government elides out of its analysis, it's not simply the actual use of force, but an attempted or threatened use of force. Can I ask you something? In your definition, you appear to hinge it on the fact that the force used has to cause injury of some type. That appears to be the only definition you can give. But the use of physical force means just the use of force, strong force, violent force, aggressive force, but it doesn't mean that it necessarily has to cause injury. Would my rearing back and slapping you? In most instances, slapping doesn't cause physical injury, as that term is defined in the common law, which is an injury of lasting effect. You might have some redness for a second, but that's all. Would that qualify as a crime of violence? Your Honor, some of these questions will be difficult lines for the court, a sentencing court, to draw. And we've offered the definition that violent felony, the word violence, encompasses sort of a rough use of force that could lead to injury or is likely to lead to injury. Well, but violent has a broader meaning. It generally means a strong force or a strong physical force generally has some relative degree of impact. I agree with you. The common definition talks that way. Why should we read something more into it, like physical injury? Your Honor, the court wouldn't have to. And part of where we drew this from is the court's language in Begay that indicated that crimes within Clause 1 of ACCA are those crimes that are also likely to present a serious risk of potential injury to others. Many will, but don't — serious use of force doesn't necessarily always. Yes, Your Honor. And that's why the qualitative line falls somewhere higher than mere contact, which would simply be the standard for Florida battery conviction. Suppose we knew what happened. It's the same statute, and it would be possible to have a conviction for a rude touching under it. But this man, instead of pleading guilty, in fact went to trial, and you know that he beat somebody badly. If that were the case, if we knew what the facts were, then would the ACCA enhancement be in order? The statute covers the waterfront from a rude touching to beating somebody to a bloody pulp. But we know, because there's been a trial, exactly what this person does, and what he does would fall under the aggressive, violent, capable of doing physical injury to another. No, Your Honor. Knowing the added fact of the actual conduct would not answer the question, because it is based on the elements. However, if the prosecutor charged it as to strike or there was an admission, 
For example, at page 19 of our reply brief, we showed the Fifth Circuit case in Robledo. It tracked the exact same Florida statute that's at issue here and said the offender did touch or strike the victim, comma, by striking him with a vehicle. And the Fifth Circuit said that under the modified categorical approach to look at the charging document and the offender's necessary admissions showed that that was, in fact, a crime of violence. Isn't there a separate, uh, a separate battery crime, uh, aggravated battery uh, in, in Florida? Yes, Your Honor. Which, there are two other felony battery statutes apart from this one that do. Well, this, isn't a, this isn't a felony battery statute. This is a misdemeanor battery statute which has been elevated to a felony in this case only because the fellow had a prior. Yes, Your Honor. Besides the misdemeanor battery statute, there are two felony battery statutes in Florida, right? There are two other separate. And how are they defined? Your Honor, they add the mens rea of whether or not the battery was intended to cause great bodily harm, permanent disfigurement, or permanent disability. And the other says simply that you committed a battery and did cause those um, Mm -hmm. higher standard, but... And in addition, the, the misdemeanor battery includes the element of causing bodily harm, and uh, offenders can be charged simply with that provision. What, misdemeanor does? Mis- yes, sir. Yes, Your Honor. The felony version is to cause great, bo- great bodily harm, right. and the misdemeanor is to cause bodily harm, which Florida law include, uh, defines as low as causing a bruise or, or mark like that. Um, so if someone were charged with, in the state court, a predicate that involved that kind of injury, a prosecutor using his or her discretion could charge under causing bodily harm and um, would show facts that could support the finding of a violent felony. What, what about the government's argument that your interpretation would dramatically limit the reach of this provision of ACAS because of the number of states that define uh, uh, battery in the same way Florida does? Your Honor, I think that the government exaggerates the concerns of that because there are statutes that both require an admission of the use of force or have that as an alternative that could be prosecuted in the appropriate case. Well, well, yeah, but it's, it's usually easier just to charge uh, the, the lowest common denominator, the battery that doesn't necessarily require uh, uh, violent force. And the point, this was the uh, argument that was accepted uh, in, uh, in Hayes that the interpretation, say, advanced by the dissent in that case, would mean that there'd be a vast number of states that weren't covered, and presumably Congress meant to cover all the states. Yes, Your Honor. Um, however, because the, in Hayes, the Court was looking at the committed by and whether that was the, the necessary part of the prior conviction, here, given the fact that the statute can be charged both in Florida and many other statutes to be included, um, shows that those cases would n- — it would only be a small number of cases that are likely to be affected where it's you'd, you'd, you'd have to have other states which only have a battery statute that is defined as broadly as this misdemeanor battery statute in Florida. If they have a higher degree of battery, just as uh, Florida does — which is a felony, then if the, per, if the prosecutor wants this fellow to be uh, convicted of a violent crime, he, he could uh, charge him with that, with that higher degree. Yes, sir. Are there any states that have only this simple battery statute, which, which, is, which is met by a simple touching? According to Lefebvre, only Florida and I believe one other state has such a broad definition. No, no. You, you mistook my question. I'm Are sorry. there any states — in which 
the only prosecution for battery that can be brought is under a statute as broad as this one, which is, is covered by even a touching. No, Don't all of the other states that have a touching statute also have higher degree of battery statutes? Yes, Your Honor. According to Lefebvre, all states have aggravated battery statutes uh, that include either the use of a deadly weapon or but other use of But I thought the evidence was pretty clear that Congress was adopting the common law definition of battery here, which doesn't require that higher degree uh, of force or violence. Your Honor, in the legislative history, the only time that they talked about battery, in one House report it references battery and assault simply by those descriptions. Every other time they talked about uh, assault and battery with a deadly weapon um, and something more than sim- a simple touching. Battery in the statute here? I'm looking for it. I don't, I don't see the word battery at all. No, Your Honor. There's no enumerated offenses in the first prong. Well, what worries me more than, than your application to battery is the methodology. Because if it's true that in Section 1, unlike Section 2, a single instance of where you could commit the crime without using force is sufficient to take it out of the statute, then just looking through this, generally you'd take out assault, probably have to take out uh, uh, kidnapping, you'd probably have to take out domestic violence, uh, you'd have to take out uh, uh, Extortion, certainly, explosive stat- laws. I mean, the very laws that I would think Congress certainly intended to include in that first definition. Your Honor, when they. That's very worrying and why I don't think it's the right methodology. Well, Your Honor, they did use the word element, and an element is a constituent fact. Yes, but an element could be an element that is a for- the, the word is element, the use or threatened use of physical force. Now, an element, say like abduction, could be an element that uses physical force if in the mine run of cases it uses physical force, even though one can sometimes think of an exception. That's how we've interpreted two. So if we interpret one a different way, we're going to take outside the statute the very things that Congress wanted inside. And if we interpret it the same way, I think we'd get to the right result. Your Honor, I would have two responses to that. The first is, in the second prong, Congress used the word conduct. And if they had meant conduct to be included in one rather than the elemental definition, that would have been a very easy definition. Second, when they talked about the crimes intended for Category 1, they gave the examples of someone with murder convictions, rape convictions, a gangland enforcer. Um, rape can be convicted without can, rape can be conducted without force. Yes, Your Honor. All right. So now rape is out. Your Honor, it depends on the elements of the offense. Well, the yes. element of the offense of rape is not force; it's lack of consent. Excuse me. Under under one, it depends upon the elements. But what about two, and especially the the residual provision of two? Any other conduct that presents a serious potential risk of physical injury to another. I would think rape qualifies under that. And certainly if the government believed that And many of the other crimes that uh, Justice Breyer has been talking about. And yes, Your Honor, I certainly agree that if you Do you agree that then, in other words, Section 2 is not about property crimes that involve force, which is what Congress happened to say nonstop in the legislative history, which I know isn't read by everyone, but it seemed to me reading that history, the first part is dealing with those things that aren't property crimes. 
The second part, like arson, extortion, which they had in mind of a certain kind, uh, and uh, uh, whatever the explosives-related things, were things that they thought didn't were, could, could be property crimes that also involved harm to people. Yes, Your Honor. And, well, you can't say yes to both of us. Well, I agree with Your Honor that the legislative history certainly indicates that one and two had different purposes. But this Court didn't find Begay and Chambers on the easy test to say simply that DUI is not a property crime, therefore it doesn't qualify. So I hesitate to offer that as a solution to the Court, but keeping in mind that the government — I dare say that the next time somebody comes to argue before this Court that a crime is not included within Section 2 because it's not a, a property crime, I don't think that person's going to get one vote. They wouldn't have to say that. They'd have to say — that it is not a crime like the three that are mentioned, which I can't remember. It's arson, extortion, and what's the third? Explosive. Using explosives. It's burglary, arson, extortion. Burglary, arson, involves- extortion, and expelling. All right. You'd say it's not like that, as DUI was not like that. Yes, Your Honor. I guess but, but if the government failed to prove that a predicate qualified under the first prong, it could offer argument and evidence to the sentencing judge to show that it met the Begay test and was, in fact, a serious risk of injury that purposeful, violent, et cetera. It's simply not that battery by touching qualifies. And, Your Honor, if I may reserve the remainder. Would you just clarify an answer that you gave? You, you described Florida as unique, but I thought there were many states that had a codification of common law battery that would include both touching and more aggressive behavior. I thought Florida was not alone in having that kind of statute. There are other states, Your Honor, that have the common law definition, but they also have alternative versions. Many of the states also have alternative versions that require either the use of force or the aggravated uh, if the underlying conduct or the underlying charge was that serious matter of involving physical force to qualify under a violent felony. I thought you said they all had such such aggravated statutes in your answer to me. Now you just said many of them do. Which is well, it? Well, many have uh, alternative versions that require admission of use of force, not simply, say, touching or striking like Florida, um, but all do have felony versions of aggravated felonies. Thank you, Counsel. Ms. Kruger. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, the primary definition of violent felony in the Armed Career Criminal Act, as Justice Alito, you have noted, and Mr. Chief Justice, as you have noted, almost precisely tracks the general definition of the crime of battery, that is, the unlawful application of physical force to the person of another. Petitioner's primary submission is that this Court — Why didn't they just say battery? If that's what they meant, it's, it's, it's a lot simpler and also clearer than to say physical force against the person. I think it's certainly true, Mr. Chief Justice, that Congress could have defined uh, the category of predicates for the ACA in that way by listing certain offenses, which would then require the courts to determine what the generic elements of those offenses were, as this Court did with respect to burglary and Taylor. But Congress instead decided to list in its primary definition of violent felony the common element that it thought as a categorical matter indicated a sufficient potential for harm that the crime ought to be singled out as a predicate for ACA enhancement. And that single element was the use of physical force against the person of another. You you would have us believe that by 
violent felony in this in this statute, Congress meant the threat. The threat it doesn't even have to be the act. You know, if you don't shut up, I am going to come over and flunk you on your sh- on your shoulder with with my index finger. <laughs> This is a violent felony under this statute, which gets him how many more years? Uh, it creates a mandatory minimum of 15 years. 15 years. Well, Justice Scalia, I think that there, there are two responses to that question. The first is that a threatened use of force is uh, normally considered, normally punished under the criminal law as the crime of assault. And for the reasons that Justice Breyer has uh, noted already in the argument, it seems awfully unlikely, particularly in light of the legislative history of this provision, for those justices who consider such considerations relevant, that Congress meant to exclude the crime of assault. That's all he's necessarily been convicted of. When when a verdict is brought in 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 Florida under this misdemeanor statute, all you know for sure is that he threatened to go — that's all you know for sure that he's been convicted of, and you're going to give him 15 years. I think, again, two responses. The first is, as a practical matter, that is not — a crime. Normally, the, the law of assault, in order to constitute a criminal threat, there has to be more than simply the use of words. There has to the defendant has to manifest by conduct. But um, there have been rude touching, where there was no danger of physical injury to the person. There have been prosecutions in Florida. I there, understand for what would be considered a, a rude touching, as opposed to an aggressive use of force that would risk physical injury. That's correct. There have been a handful of cases that are cited in petitioner's brief in which the Florida statute has been used to criminalize rude touchings. We think that those rude touchings, as a matter of general usage in the common law and in the general definition of battery, do in fact have as an element the use of physical force. That is a a usage that has been in force in the majority of states um, for quite some time, and we think that it does no particular violence, if you'll pardon the expression, to the statute to interpret it to encompass the full range of common law batteries, batteries as they are prosecuted about in some 27 states. Would pickpocketing be a violent crime that involves a touching necessarily? Pickpocketing actually doesn't involve a touching necessarily, which is normally the well, line I mean, I between pickpocketing and robbery. I guess a very good could get, could get just the wallet and not touch the person. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, pickpocketing normally, as it's, as it's criminalized in most states, doesn't, in fact, require as an element that the prosecution prove that the, the defendant touched the victim. Oh, but you don't no. prosecute him for pickpocket. You have a clumsy pickpocket, and you prosecute him for battery, right? And he gets 15 years. Well, the clumsy pickpocket would, in fact, be in most jurisdictions a robber, and robbery is precisely the kind of offense that we know that Congress was intending to cover in subsection 1 of the ACCA. It was one of the first ACCA predicates, and it remains, I think, a paradigmatic example of a crime that has as an element the use of force and is therefore covered under the plain statutory language. Counsel, but I think this — I'm sorry. Please finish in the middle. But I think that the the essential thrust of the argument so far has been that if it's possible to commit battery under the common law, under the laws of 27 states, including Florida, under federal law, in a way that in individual instances doesn't seem to present a serious risk of injury, then it can't possibly be a violent felony. And I think that we know from the way that the Court has interpreted the statute to date that that's simply not the case. This Court addressed a very similar argument in Taylor. But you see that you're — you don't have the inquiry. 
the, the issue is not whether it causes serious injury or not. The issue is whether the nature of the force used is physical force. And so if you look at the common definition of physical force in the, in the dictionary, which your adversaries did very well in their brief, physical force has, in its ordinary meaning, the use of some strength, of some power. And generally, kissing doesn't require that strength or power. Touching someone on the shoulder doesn't. All of these activities are prohibited by this statute if they're unwanted. So the question is not whether or not they present the risk of physical injury. The issue is whether in all applications or in in a substantial number, they don't require the use of strength to a uh, in its application. That's a different question. Justice Sotomayor, I think that you're exactly right that the inquiry that's set out in subsection 1 is simply, does this crime have as an element the use of physical force? Our submission is that every battery under Florida law, under common law, and under the laws of 27 states and the federal government does have an el- as an element the use of physical force. Maybe because now we're getting to um, Judge Easterbrook's argument about uh, the dying you know, if I, if I touch myself, I've now used force. Right. There's some suggestion in Judge Easterbrook's opinion that that usage is somehow peculiar to Newtonian physics. The fact of the matter is it's actually a very common usage in the criminal law. There are a number of judicial opinions, for example, that instead of using the formulation that we see in Florida's battery statute, instead use the formulation, the use of force of the slightest degree. All right. Suppose we interpret the statute, uh, the act statute as requiring more force than that, as requiring something more than spitting. Now, suppose that sometimes, as they've made a strong case, that touching is a separate thing under this statute, because that's what the Florida Supreme Court said. And moreover, there are prosecutions that seem not to fit within striking. How do we know whether, by and large, this word touching, as used in Florida, covers things with mostly minimal touching, minimal force, or enough force to get within the statute. Well, Justice Breyer, I think that that's precisely the problem with petitioner's submission. It creates a kind of required element under the ACCA that has no clear parallels in the substantive criminal law, and it would require federal sentencing courts to ask precisely the kinds of questions of the law of battery has historically sought to avoid, just how much physical force is enough. The reason why statutes like Florida's reach the least touching of another in anger is, as Blackstone told us, that, too, is a form of violence. It has so been considered for centuries. And, Justice Ginsburg, to return to your question earlier, Florida itself actually does classify the crime of battery, as defined under its statute, as a crime of violence for certain purposes. The ordinary understanding of the crime of battery is that it is for recidivism. Not for recidivism purposes. It, it, but are, are you saying that if suppose the Florida split this statute, and some states do, so one crime is the rude touching kind, and the other is the use of physical, aggressive physical force that endangers the physical safety of another. If you have both of those statutes, I take it that you would say either one of them would fit under ACCA as um, a crime that has the use of physical force, because you're you're saying the rude touching is physical force. It wouldn't — 
even if you split off the touching from the striking, you would say the touching falls under ACCA. That's correct, Justice Ginsburg. We think that both variants of that offense in your hypothetical would have as an element the use of physical force. And that, and when Congress was trying to get at the worst of the worst in ACCA, the armed career, whatever, that they meant to get after people who go around poking other people in a rude manner? Well, Justice Ginsburg, I think, first of all, it would be a mistake to think that Congress defined the range of ACCA predicates with particular consideration to the ways that hypothetical defendants might, convi- con- might commit even quintessentially violent crimes in particular cases. This Court, for example, considered in Taylor versus the United States a very similar argument, which was that the statutory reference to burglary ought to be interpreted in a way that would limit it to aggravated burglaries of a certain sort, armed burglaries or burglaries of occupied buildings, in order to make sure that that reference to burglary better fit with Congress's purposes in selecting the worst of the worst. This Court declined that invitation because it decided that Congress's unmodified use of the word burglary indicated that Congress meant for that word to take on its ordinary meaning as it was used in the laws of the many states. It said that Congress would have recognized that ordinary burglaries can be committed in individual instances in ways that don't seem particularly harmful by unarmed defenders of unoccupied buildings in remote locations, but that Congress nevertheless made a categorical judgment that burglaries as a whole present sufficient potential for arm that they ought to be covered as ACCA predicates. And I think a similar analysis applies here. Congress probably wasn't focused on the least amount of force that it takes to commit the crime of battery, but it was entitled to make a judgment that any battery, any unlawful use of force against another person, categorically presents sufficient potential for well, it harm. It might. A battery come. by touching does seem a separate category. And at that point, you have to decide, is there an element there of force? And I think it requires more force than just the simplest touching. Now, on Justice Scalia's approach, the fact that there's one conviction for spitting is sufficient to take it outside the statute. That's not my approach. I would say, in the mine run of cases, does there have to be more force than just spitting? And now I don't know how it's prosecuted. So why don't I say in this case, from my perspective, very well, I don't know. No one knows. No one has told me. No one has looked into it. It's very hard to look into, but not impossible. It's the government's job, faced with a 15-year statute, to do the looking. They have the resources more than a defense attorney. Therefore, uncertain as I am, I must decide this in favor of the defendant. What's the response to that? Well, I think the response is, first, we think that the proper approach is one that pays respect to the words that Congress used to define the crime. In ordinary criminal law, despite what some intuitions seem to be, the least touching of another in anger is a form of violence. It is a use of physical force. I think to the extent that, Your Honor, you're inclined to look to the purposes of the statute, what Congress would have thought the mine run of cases that would fall under subsection 1's use of force provision would cover. I think there, if we look at the reported cases in Florida, we see that the kinds of crimes that are prosecuted under the touching or striking prong of that statute are, in fact, quite harmful. It's not at all difficult to see why 
Congress would have been concerned about these types of crimes, both because in many instances they involve conduct that's probably better described as touching or striking, but it is nevertheless risks substantial harm to the victim, like choking, like beating the victim's head against the car window, to use an example from one of the cases cited in our brief. You know, I, I guess it comes down to whether we think uh, that in, in B-1, Congress was using uh, technical language or Congress was using uh, uh, simply ordinary language, uh, because you're quite right that the uh, definition of, of battery uh, covers even the slightest touching, uh, the use of physical force, which would include the slightest touching. But in, in, in using that definition to define the term violent felony, I find it hard to believe that Congress was using the term in a, in a technical sense and was not using the term physical force, the use of physical force, to mean something more than a, than a mere touching. But that's, that's basically what we're arguing, isn't it, whether that, whether that phrase there, threatened use of physical use or threatened use of physical force, is technical language, which is the definition of battery, or rather more common usage. You, you would acknowledge that in, in, in more common usage, no one, no one would, would think that if you go over to somebody and point your finger at him on, on his lapel and say, now you listen to me, that that would be considered uh, the use or threatened use of physical force. I think it probably is not the way that we ordinarily talk in day-to-day -day conversation, but it certainly is the way that the law has talked about it for centuries. And I think there is reason to think that Congress had in mind the technical definition of battery rather than ordinary parlance, if for no other reason because it tracked so closely the general definition, that technical definition of battery, when it defines the violent felony in subsection 1. And also well, because we know that that — May I assist following up on Justice Scalia's point? Are there any other crimes other than battery that, that create the same situation where in the, in the first time it's committed, it's a misdemeanor, but then it becomes a, a felony because it's committed twice? So, so what we have here is conduct that first time is a misdemeanor, second time is a felony. Are there any other examples of crimes that fit that category that come within subparagraph 1? I am not sure of the answer to that, Justice Stevens. I do think that one reason why the misdemeanor versus felony distinction is somewhat unimportant to the interpretation of the use of physical force language in this case is that it, the same language was deployed first in the crime of violence definition of 18 U.S.C. 16, which by its terms applies both to misdemeanors and felonies. And Congress has, of course, subsequently used that very same language to define a class of misdemeanor crimes of domestic violence in Section 922 G9. So we think to the extent that this Court is inclined to interpret the, same, the similar language of these similar statutes in a similar manner, the use of physical force language should remain consistent across them. One of the principal vices of petitioners' arguments is also that it would leave the federal domestic violence provisions like Section 922G9 with relatively patchwork and haphazard application, which was precisely one of the, the considerations that motivated this Court's decision just last term in the United States versus Hayes. As this but there are other provisions that would, that would include domestic violence and the gun possession provision? There, the range of predicate offenses that could be used for the Section 922 G9 domestic violence gun prohibition 
ordinarily, as this Court recognized in Hayes, encompasses the general assault and battery statutes of the United States. Twenty-seven of these states define battery in more or less the way that Florida does to include a range of uses of physical force from the least degree of physical force to very severe beatings. So under petitioner's reading, it would be impossible to say for sure in more than half of the country that a domestic violence conviction, even a battery conviction that's specifically denominated as a domestic violence battery conviction in many states, would qualify under Section 922G9. It seems unlikely that Congress, in enacting that statute, which was designed to create a nationwide solution to the nationwide problem of the combination of guns and domestic strife, would have intended for that statute to have such a haphazard impact. And yet that is precisely what the effect of petitioner's reading would be. Where is that provision, 922 G9? Is that in your brief somewhere? It is. It's in the statutory appendix to the gray brief. I'm looking for it. I don't see it. 922 G9. uh, I hate people talking about statutes that I don't have in front of me. It's on page 3A of the statutory appendix. Contains the contains Section 921A33A, which provides the definition of misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. I thought you said 922. That's correct. The substantive prohibition is in Section 922G9, and the definitional provision is reprinted on on page 3A. It's really a question for uh, Petitioner's Council. I didn't have time to ask it because her white light was on. Uh, I take it uh, your position is that if you do not prevail, on your argument that this is um, under a Roman, small Roman one, that it, you have to remand for small Roman two? That's correct. Uh, is there an argument that you anticipate uh, <laughs> objecting to that remand? Or, or is this absolutely clear cut that we must remand? I, I think it's, it's within the court's discretion to decide how to dispose properly of the case. I think that. The section, the subsection 2 issue was preserved in the courts below. The district court rested its decision on both subsections 1 and 2, and the Court of Appeals addressed only subsection 1. We think that if the court decides that the Court of Appeals was wrong in its interpretation of subsection 1, then the appropriate thing in order to determine what petitioner's correct sentence should be would be to remand to allow the Court of Appeals to address the alternative argument about subsection 2. But the reason why the subsection 1 inquiry How, is so — I'm sorry, before you go on, your adversary claims you waived by not raising this as an alternative in the cert stage. Could you fold that into your continuation of this answer? Certainly. I think that Rule 15.2 of the rules of this Court requires us in a brief in opposition to raise any material matters that relate to the question presented. The question presented in this case concerns just the basis for the Court of Appeals decision in this case, which was subsection 1 of the statute. We think it's not at all unusual for this Court to decide that a Court of Appeals judgment is an error and then remand to allow the Court here, here to what they said, what the, what the Eleventh Circuit said. It said that if battery under Florida law fits within the description of 1, then it is a violent crime for ACCA purposes. And then it said, if not, then not. And as long as the issue was in front of them, I would have think those last four words are a holding. I think it's difficult to read those four words in that manner, Justice Breyer, if for no other reason because the Court of Appeals didn't so much as acknowledge the existence. Well, was it argued? Two. It was argued. It was, it was briefed in the Court of Appeals and the Court of Appeals. It's pretty hard to see, given Begay, how this is like uh, uh, arson or, uh, you know, the other three there, burglary, arson, 
Explosives. Explosives. Well, so the- I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Court of Appeals felt what they said was, if not, then not. And it was raised and argued. Well, I think it's, again, it's difficult to read that piece of loose language in the Court's opinion as a direct holding, particularly considering that the Court of Appeals didn't so much as cite the language or even the code provision um, that relates to the argument. But I think to the extent that the Court's question is whether it would qualify under subsection 2, I think the answer is yes. Uh, Battery is qualifies under uh, this Court's interpretations of that subsection in Chambers and Begay and James. It is a crime that is typically purposeful, violent, and aggressive. And yeah, but I, I thought, so, so, you know, it, it's like the, of the four listed how? Well, it, it is like them in that it poses risks that are similar in degree. But then we're the reading those three uh, examples out because then other covers any crime that uh, uh, poses a risk of violence. A ser- whatever the words are there, oh, I forget the words. Poses a. No, I, I think that it would still be consistent with this Court's analysis of subsection 2 in the gay, in that battery by touching, if you consider it to be a separate crime, which again I think is a highly contested. And you think drunk driving doesn't present a serious potential risk of physical injury? No, but what this Court said in the gay was that it doesn't present risks that are similar in degree and kind to the risks that are presented by the enumerated offenses. And battery, including battery by touching or striking under Florida law, presents risks that are quite similar in degree and kind to the enumerated offenses, particularly burglary. It is Boy, I, I, I don't follow that at all. I mean, it, I understand your argument that physical force means the slightest touching, but I don't understand the argument that the slightest touching presents a serious risk of potential physical injury. Well, I I think, first of all, to clear up a misconception, simply because the statutory text covers the slightest touching doesn't mean that it covers only the slightest touching. It covers a wide range of degrees of physical force, beginning with the slightest touching. But your argument is to try is is asserting that the slightest physical touching is covered by the statute. Right. And the, the, the question before the Court in this case concerns only that question. It concerns the proper interpretation of subsection 1, whether the crime is one that has as an element the use of physical force. The two, you, the district you court thought the two were related. The district court, if it thought a, a slightest touching was qualified under 1, it would not unreasonably say it would also qualify under 2. But if that reject, argument is rejected, under one, it seems to me it would follow necessarily that it would also be rejected under two. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why that would be true, but I do think that it's right as a descriptive matter that most of the crimes that are encompassed by subsection one would also qualify under subsection two. But and two, if I could, two I'd like looks to, to the conduct. It doesn't look to the element of the crime. So you could actually look to the conduct of which the person was convicted, no? Well, you'd have to look to the conduct of the person that the person was convicted of with respect to the elements of the crime that is the nature no, of the categorical. No, no, no. You look to the crime under one, you look to the crime he was convicted of. And, and, and uh, if, if, if none of its elements uh, require uh, serious physical force, you can say it doesn't qualify under one. But under two, if in fact you see that the misdemeanor he was convicted of was really whacking somebody really hard, then, then it could possibly come within under, uh, uh, come under two. Uh, with respect to Justice Lee, I think that's incorrect. This Court has made clear that subsection two, like subsection one, uh, proceeds by looking at the elements of the offense. Just at the elements. Huh? Just at the elements of the offense in which the defendant <laughs> can, was convicted. Can I ask you about about nine twenty two? You you point to the uh, the definition there. 
the definition in 921. But that is a definition of the term misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. And in the context of defining that term, I'm perfectly willing to believe that the use or attempted use of physical force means even the slightest touching, as, as battery does. You're talking about a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. But what we have before us here is a term, a different term that's being defined, and that term is violent felony. And I find it a lot harder to swallow that uh, that, that, that definition embraces merely the slightest touching. Well, Justice Scalia, I would certainly be inclined to agree with you that it's particularly clear, given both the text and the context and purposes of Section 922 G9, that battery ought to be covered by that definition of misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. But we think that the reason why it's also clear under subsection 1 of the ACCA is that the use of force element of the definitional provision is separate from the degree of seriousness with which the State chooses to treat the crime. If a crime is punished as a felony, and if it has as an element the use of physical force, then it qualifies as a violent felony under the ACCA, just as if it's punished as a misdemeanor, it qualifies as a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence under Section 922 G9. I dare say that Congress, in my view, probably didn't even contemplate that something which is a a misdemeanor could become a violent felony if you did it the second time. Well, it was Have certainly we ever true. approved that, by the way, kicking it up into the felony category simply because of recidivism? Well, this Court in United States versus Rodriguez, in analyzing the coordinate provision of uh, the ACCA that covers serious drug offenses, said that the felony aspect of that, that definition is satisfied by a recidivist Recid- enhancement. And we think that the conclusion in that case, and it's not disputed among the parties, applies with equal force in this case to the proper interpretation of violent felony. But it was certainly true by the time that Congress enacted the ACCA, which the legislative history indicates Congress understood would cover assault crimes, for example, that there were certain kinds of batteries and assaults that, although otherwise might be punished as simple batteries and assaults, as misdemeanors, could be elevated to a felony if, for example, they were committed against a law enforcement officer. It simply was not unheard of for simple battery to be elevated to a felony under certain circumstances in 1986 when Congress enacted the present version of the ACCA. At the end of the day, we think that Congress, every indication we have from both the text, the context, the purpose of the statute, and its background suggests that Congress was, in fact, deliberately tracking the definition of battery when it enacted the primary definition of violent felony in subsection 1. Well, every indication except for the fact that they didn't use the word battery. Aside from the fact that they didn't use the word battery, instead they chose to incorporate the general definition of the crime of battery. That's correct, Mr. Chief Justice. We think to the extent that the Court is inclined to restrict the terms of that Congress chose to use itself to physical force of only exceeding a certain threshold, to include some batteries and not other batteries, the Court would be setting up a very difficult test for federal sentencing courts to apply in the real world. It's, it's simply States do it all the time when they have different degrees of battery, misdemeanor battery, felony battery. They do it all the time. Well, as as the Chief Justice has noted, states don't have quite the same compulsion to sort different factual offenses into different boxes. Prosecutors, as the prosecutor did in this case, can use either of the two alternative prongs of Florida's battery definition to punish what is essentially the same offense, which is the crime of battery. It deserves the same punishment 
um, regardless of which prong the prosecutor proceeds under, whether the bodily injury prong or the touching or striking prong. And petitioner's concession that at least federal sentencing courts could draw a distinction between touches and strikes may have some resonance in the state of Florida, but has very little resonance for the rest of the country. Most state assault and battery statutes don't contain explicit references to striking, but subsume striking within the range of conduct that's prescribed by their offensive touching prongs. So it simply wouldn't be possible in most cases for a court to look at the cold record of the underlying state conviction and try to discern exactly how much force was involved in the offense and whether that force satisfied the petitioner's proposed threshold whatever it means. At the end of the day, the principal question before the Court is one that is primarily relevant to uh, the Section 922 G9 provision and other federal misdemeanor domestic violence provisions, and one that we think, in considering the purposes of those statutes and the very serious dangers that they address, the Court ought to interpret the plain text of the statutes in light of their plain meaning. Thank you, Counsel. Ms. Call, you have four minutes remaining. Thank you, Your Honor. I don't, I don't want to waste too much of your time on, on the remand, but um, I, I, I can't really fault the government for waiving the right to raise a claim under Clause 2, which is your second reason for not, for not remanding. And it, it does seem to me that the Eleventh Circuit, one permissible reading is to say that it was just looking at one so that we would have to remand. Justice Kennedy, I do disagree with that because it was fully briefed, fully argued at the I oral argument. That. And uh, I take the, the provision that when they indicated that the test was exclusively under the first prong. Second, Your Honor, I believe that it would simply be a waste of judicial resources. If the Court finds that this battery by touching doesn't have as an element the use of force, the test would be to remand it to decide whether it meets the Big A standard, which is purposeful, violent, aggressive, and all of those tests. Yes, except in this area, I'm a little reluctant uh, when it hasn't been argued before to make a definitive holding on, on two. But I'll, I'll look at the Eleventh Circuit opinion again. Yes, Your Honor. And the other note I would make is factually at page uh, 40 of the joint appendix, they indicated there were no other Shepard documents to offer to the court. So the entire record that's available for reconsideration is available to this court. And, Your Honor, I wanted to note this is not just an academic exercise on noticing what physical force means. Absent this one finding that Mr. Johnson's prior conviction was a violent felony, it raised his guideline range from 27 to 33 months to a mandatory minimum sentence of 15 years. So the danger of including this crime when the Armed Career Criminal Act was not designed to include all crimes or all offenders means that it took all discretion away from the sentencing judge. In ACCA, this Congress set a very high standard requiring three priors on three that occurred on separate occasions. And so looking at this uh, uh, decision, when Mr. Johnson was put inside the box, that tied the judge's hands. If this were not uh, considered a violent felony, the sentencing judge could consider that under the guidelines and the 3553 factors. But to read uh, physical force so broadly is to, in essence, collapse the distinction between those violent offenses that are meant to be included in the Armed Career Criminal Act and those that are not. Your Honors, I would also note one matter that physical contact is used in the assault statutes under the Federal Code. So there is a different provision, a different meaning to physical contact than to physical force. And the physical force in this definition is looking at what level and what sort of force Congress intended to require 
to impose this very high sentencing standard. And this Court had rejected in Shepard the government's same happenstance argument that prosecutions would depend on record-keeping and charging decisions. And so for all of the reasons argued, Mr. Johnson would ask that this Court vacate the lower decision and remand for resentencing. Thank you. Thank you, Counsel. The case is submitted.